Lord Jesus, please, uh, please help me, Lord. Holy Spirit, please help me to share your word. Please bless this word, God, and open all our hearts. Thank you for what you've been doing so far, Lord. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you will, uh, your word will be like a double-edged sword and cut deep. Cut deep, Lord, and uh, have your way in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was praying in the week and I was asking the Lord, you know, what do we, what do we need, you know, as a church? Um, what word do you have for us, Lord, that we can um, digest, that we can eat? What manner do you have for us, for the church? It says in the Bible, in Ephesians 5, that Jesus um, nourishes the church. He gives them the necessary nourishment that they need. And um, the other word is he nourishes them and he makes them feel, what was that word? Cherishes them. The Lord cherishes us. Just felt this morning, he cherishes us. But I was asking the Lord, and so there were a few things that I was feeling, but I wanted to know the exact one. You know, when you're having your quiet times, and this is just an encouragement, when we have our quiet times and, and really seeking the Lord and we're asking Him for words for different people and for your community and for the church, sure, the Lord is faithful to give. When we ask Him according to His will. One young man came to me just now and said, um, can you please pray for me? I want to know what the Lord wants me to do. In his kingdom, and we pray together. And that's such a powerful, wonderful prayer that people would pray that, oh Lord, what is your job for me in this kingdom? Thank you. It's a double portion. Amen. The sparkling. <laughs> Hallelujah. And um, but that's the nice thing about when you seek, you know, the, the, the Lord is the reward of those who seek him diligently. When we seek the Lord, he's faithful to give us lots. And so you have to ask, hey, Lord, which one is it? <laughs> and um, as I was busy reading, I was reading through the crucifixions. Well, one crucifixion, but in the four different books of the Bible. Because I wanted a deeper revelation of Jesus on the cross. So when I preach it, people get, are going to they're gonna see, oh, there's a conviction here. And there are certain areas in our lives where we don't have a, a strong enough revelation. And so therefore, we ask the Lord, Lord, give us a, a better revelation. And so I was reading through um, those four books. Because I want, I want to see Jesus more clearly on the cross, crucified and risen. So I want to preach it. The Apostle Paul said, I didn't come with, to you with eloquent words, but I came to you preaching Jesus Christ crucified. And while I'm looking at that, I, I get a word for, for this morning. And it had absolutely nothing to do with that <laughs> directly. You know, sometimes you're seeking the Lord for, you ask Him something and you're seeking in the word, but He'll give it to you from somewhere else. And the word that came to me was um, starting blocks. Just sitting there on the couch reading my Bible, starting blocks. And you, you know in a race, when you're about to run a 100-meter race or 200, or whether it's, a, in our case, it's a marathon. But when you start off that race, they've got starting blocks, these mechanical mechanisms on the floor that you put your feet in, and uh, that's where you start off. And it, uh, it goes um, on your marks, get set, and then when it's go, you run. You know, from the starting blocks, it gives you a good grip and a solid position to work from, to, to, to operate from, to run from. And as I was thinking of that, um, I was like, Lord, what does this mean? And I felt the Lord say that there are, there are some of us in the church that are in the starting blocks. And we are wanting to go. We are waiting for the command. On your marks, get set, go. And um, I felt the Lord say that we, we are waiting for... We are waiting for this command, 
But the Lord has already spoken to us through his word over 2,000 years ago to go. Jerry was uh, bringing that word just now about being Moses's, going into the harvest field, going and preaching the gospel, going and inviting people to church. There's a thing about going. And um, I felt the Lord say, people are still, there are, some, there are some that are still waiting for that command. And I think he wants to come and remind us again this morning to go. The command already came over 2,000 years ago. But this morning he wants to come remind us again that we need to go. And Jesus, he set the bar for us in doing that. He set the bar in, in Matthew um, chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. If you can go there. Are you able to? I didn't give anybody. Oh, oh that's Greek. Eh? And so he, he sets the bar about going to the lost, reaching the lost. Reaching what we were speaking about just now. Praying, not only for our own family, but praying for the nations. Praying for the lost. And he sets an example for us. And he shows us the work to be done. And he shows us his heart and his compassion and empathy towards the lost. And the great need and urgency for the lost to be reached. Just so that we can really connect with his mission. And what he's really passionate about. And sometimes we need to be reminded of these scriptures. We get too busy sometimes with other things and we forget. From verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And you know, I was saying to my daughter on, on the way down from, from that trip, that when we are not connecting with our shepherd, when people are not connected with the shepherd, every morning, every day, the wolf comes to destroy. The thief comes to, to steal, kill, and destroy. You just heard now from one of the guys that um, his son, who... who uh, you know, he needs, to be, he needs to be where the Lord wants him to be, in the family of God, but he's been drifting away a little bit. And just over the weekend, he was, he, he was robbed and he was hurt a bit. You know, it could have been worse. But he wasn't with the shepherd. I mean, it's not a warning for you, but I mean, that, these are things that happen. He's not with the shepherd. So I was telling my daughter that on the way down. And we came across this man in Toast Refuge, and he was weeping. This African gentleman, a big guy, but they had robbed him. And I prayed with him. And uh, as I was praying for him, that word came out, the Lord is my shepherd. And I said to him, you know what, the Lord is your shepherd, my friend. And I want to tell you that as you remain close to Jesus, these things are not going to happen to you. I was really feeling that in the prayer. And after I'd finished, I prayed a long prayer, and after I finished praying for him, I saw the tears on his eyes. He was weeping. But under the te tears, they were caked, dry tears. So I was like, I was praying for a long time. So there were tears that dried, and then there were more tears. And he was weeping. And he said to me, you know what, you prayed King David's um, prayer, Psalm 23. And he said, my name is David. <laughs> and, uh, and he was just encouraged again, just to remain with the shepherd. And Jesus um, looks at the people and he sees that the whole world is uh, um, like a lot of sheep that are without a shepherd, helpless. And we have the privilege of having the shepherd in our lives. The shepherd sees that the sheep are fine, that they're clean, that they've got no chokas in their head and on their body. No little demons and, and, and they're in a good place. He takes them in at night and takes care of them. 
But there are many people out there that don't have a shepherd. And so Jesus sees this. And I think that the Lord wants to remind us of these things. That the world is a place where there are many, many sheep without a shepherd. And we have that job to invite them into the sheep pen. To pray for them and to invite them in. To go and tell them. Amen? Amen? That's better. <laughs> And then he said to his disciples, just, yes, this is from verse 36. Um, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, what Lucas was saying just now, I didn't share the scripture with him. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Sorry, I did share something similar. Therefore, I'm going to lie up here. <laughs> Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So when Jesus saw the lost, he had compassion for them. He preached to them the good news as an example for us. When we see the lost, it's for us to preach to them the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That when you come to Jesus, your life changes. When you come to Jesus, he's, he brings you into an eternal relationship with the Father through the cross, that when you turn to Jesus and you acknowledge him as the Lord and Savior of your life, he's got you for eternity. Amen? That's a job that you and I have to do. And he highlights the fact to his disciples that there is work to be done. He said to them, there's work to be done, that the harvest is plentiful. That the harvest is plentiful. And Jesus said to his disciples, so, sorry, so some of us, are, we are still waiting for that command, go, go and do something, go and preach the gospel, go and share your testimony, whatever it might be. And it's not all the same for everybody. A lot of people had dreams last night. I also had a dream, but it was a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> so I woke up this morning and I felt so uncomfortable. In this dream, I was sitting in, a, in, in an office um, a, a work environment, and I wasn't working for myself any longer, I was working for a boss, and we had something to do with air conditioning, this job. And the boss was there, and he was saying, guys, it's almost closing time, but I need someone to go out to this area and to go and do this job. And I felt so insecure, I couldn't do this job, I hadn't had the training, I was new at this, and I felt like, jeez, you know, people are looking at me, and I don't know what to do. And I woke up, and it was such a bad feeling, and I began to meditate on that a bit, and I felt the Lord say, not everybody, is called to be the air conditioner. I'm a handyman, you know. Not everybody is called to be an evangelist on the street. Some of us are called to do different things. That question earlier on, what is my mission? What is my plan? When we ask the Lord personally, one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, there's a corporate vision for us to reach the lost, to bring in the nations, but there's a one-on-one -on -one thing with you and the Lord. Lord, what is your plan for me? Like Warren, he said, Lord, what is your plan for me? And... Warren's been doing some stuff on the side. You know, besides the corporate thing, he's, he's getting along with guys and being submissive to the elders and they're, they're praying for people and people are being delivered of stuff. Because he makes it his mission to ask the Lord, Lord, what is your plan for me in this kingdom? Amen? So when we ask that, when we say that prayer, when we ask that, you can be sure the Lord is going to come and show you exactly what he wants you to do. As he's made you unique. He doesn't want you to be me or me to be you. He wants you to be you with his spirit. Amen? 
And then there are some of us that have started off in the starting blocks. We, when we first got saved, we were in the starting blocks, and, and the Lord said, go, and, and we went. And I think of myself going to, on outreaches to Malawi and just going up to guys with other guys and, and praying for them at the, at the lake there, and guys crying, weeping. These gentlemen, they're selling the wares and tears alongside the lake and, um, and taking them into the water and baptizing them. And on the way down, praying for, praying for traffic cops that stopped me on the way and gave me a fine in Botswana, praying for two guys, and, and they got healed. The one guy, he couldn't sleep with his wife. He had a problem there, and I prayed for him. And a couple of weeks later, I called him. I said to him, how's it going with the wife now? Can you, are you able to make love to your wife? And he's like, brother, she's smiling now. <laughs> Um, can you please pray some more? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Brother, please. <laughs> but you know, and the Lord was, and, and, and I was seeing things happening because I was stepping out in faith and I, and I had the fire and the, the Lord said go and I was in the starting blocks and I went and I was preaching and I was teaching and laying hands on people and things were happening. And, uh, but that was then, you know. And then sometimes... We, we, we are in the starting blocks and we're doing these things and then things happen like COVID or financial stress or whatever it might be. And then we find ourselves out of the starting blocks again. There was a thing of, I was, uh, the Lord said, go and I went. And I think the Lord wants us to get back to that place where we're saying, you know what? I'm going. I'm going, Lord. I'm doing it. And he, and he equips us. He equips us to do these things. So he said to his disciples over 2,000 years ago, on your marks, get set. <laughs> they said to them in Matthew 28 from verse 18. Oops, let's have a sip of this water. And Jesus came and said to them, this was after Jesus had died on the cross and he had risen from the dead. He came to his disciples just before he was taken up into heaven. And he gave them a little order, a little command, a mandate, a mission. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That was his commission for them. His commission and his commission for us. That he wants to remind us of again, uh, again this morning. In Mark chapter 16 from, from verse 14 to 20. Afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and pro proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He said, yeah. Sid. I'm going to have to talk about him behind his back. So he said to me a while back, you know, Dixon, I read this verse, and um, I must tell you, I've been, he, he said to me, I've been preaching to my plants. They're part of creation. I've been preaching to my plants at home. And I thought, oh, well, at least you're practicing. Praise God. But he's preaching to his plants. Turn to Jesus. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
I mean, that's the message. The harvest is plentiful. The unsaved are, are many. And that's the message for them. That you will be condemned if you, if you refuse the blood of Jesus. If you refuse the grace. Like the grace this morning that was here for us to pray for our unsaved. Some people refuse that grace. They reject that grace. They say, I don't want Jesus. They will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serp uh, serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into, the, into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. That was their mission. That's what we're going to do. We're going to preach everywhere. Wherever we go, we're going to preach the gospel. Invite people to church. Be bold in doing this. Because many are standing to be condemned. Many are on the wide road. Jesus said that leads to destruction, to everlasting torment. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. The Lord has called us to go. But you know, sometimes we... Like I was saying, we, we, we're doing things, a lot of us, we're doing things in the kingdom. We're doing great things, and then things happen. And we become a bit, sometimes a bit fearful. We become sometimes a little bit afraid. And we, we, we're not connected anymore to Jesus. We're not connected to the head anymore. And we're not doing these things. We lose the fire. We lose our drive, and we lose our, we spoke about the other day, we lose our cutting edge. I had the fire, God, but it's gone. It's going away. And I want it back, Lord. And there was a man... I mean, the Old Testament, who went through something similar. He had the fire of God, and he had the power of God. And something happened in his life too, and he found himself in a, I'm going to read it for you. It's about Elijah. And Elijah was a man that um, did a lot of miracles, and he performed great things and, 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 uh, with God's Spirit. And 450 prophets he put to death, false prophets, antichrists. He put him to death, and he was doing great things for the Lord. And then one woman came along, Jezebel, and she, put, and she spoke a word over him. She spoke a word to him, and he became fearful, and he became scared, and he shrunk back from the go. He shrunk back, and he found himself in a cave. 1 Kings chapter 19, from verse 9 to 17, it says, There he came to a cave and lodged in it, because he was on the run from Jezebel. He was afraid for his life. After doing great things. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I... Let's see. Let's get this ready. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. A gentle voice, it says in another version, a gentle voice came and spoke to Elijah. 
And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And again, Elijah responds, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And so he, he's saying, hey, Lord, you know, I was doing all these things. But I think the Lord was saying, yeah, you were doing all those things, but look at you now, now you're in a cave. This is not the place for you to be. You're doing, you're doing great things in the kingdom. And now you're hiding away in the cave. And he says to him in a gentle voice, Go, return on your way to the wilderness to Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be... Um, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of... Shaphat of Abel Mahaloah, <clears throat> you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And you know, the Lord came with a gentle voice and said to him, Go. And I think the Lord wants to come to us this morning, 1 Kings 19 12, the gentle voice, just a little whisper. He wants to say to us this morning, Gently, go. I haven't called you to be in a cave. Maybe some of us, we found ourselves in that, in that spiritual cave where we're not out and we're not doing those things. We're not preaching the gospel. We're not seeing someone sick and we're laying hands on them. And the Lord saying to us this morning, I think, come out of the cave. Come out of the cave. There's work to be done in my kingdom. There's a harvest that is plentiful. I'm looking for laborers who are willing to come out of the cave, come out of their little their bubble. Sometimes it's me and my family, and we, we, we're coming to church on a Sunday. We're doing nothing on a Wednesday. But the Lord is really calling us to come out of the cave, church. Come out of the cave, Josh Jen, and, uh, and, and operate for the Lord. Amen? I love the way he said to Elisha, and Elisha was a mighty man. He said to him, it's a gentle voice. And I won't forget that verse. For all of us, it's a memory verse. I'll be asking you next week. Come on, somebody. No. First Kings chapter 19, verse 12. The gentle voice. The first president, black president of South Africa was Nelson Mandela. He had that funny voice. And the ANC was established in 1912. First Kings 1912. Don't forget it. Eh? <laughs> okay, moving along. Okay, time. That's Elijah. So the Lord commissioned him again. He was doing great things for the kingdom. He got stuck in a cave. But he, wanted, he commissioned him again with a gentle voice. Go. And the Lord wants to remind us of his commission. The commission that he has for each and every one of us. Amen? So when, when I think of the Lord telling me to go, and the work he has for us as laborers in his harvest field, we think of the great commissions that we spoke about now in Matthew and Mark. But we also think of Jesus' mission statement. In Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. And this is Jesus um, reading a scroll that was written 700 years before he was even born. A scroll that was written about him, what he was going to do, what his heart mission is, what God's mission is through his son Jesus Christ, and later on what it would be through us, his children. 
because Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You will do even greater things. You won't be greater than Jesus. It'll be by Spirit. But Jesus is saying, you'll do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. And when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the power to help you. Amen? But he says, he's reading to the people in the temple and he says this. This is his mission statement. He says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. The Holy Ghost is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news, good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Not to omit that part. Not just Jesus loves you, but there is a day of vengeance. And he ends off with, and to comfort all who mourn. That's his mission statement, and his mission statement for us too, as we have the Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me and upon you, Josh Jen, to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the eyes of the blind, to lay hands on the sick, to proclaim the year of my favor, but also the, the day of my vengeance, when the Father comes and there's a day of vengeance for all those who refuse Jesus Christ, and to comfort all who mourn. That's our mission. So our motivation, coming to a close, we're coming to a landing now, <laughs> but we're still up there. <laughs> our motivation, number one, is that we have the power to go. When the Lord tells us to go, we have the power, we have the anointing. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 it says, can we, can we go up there? You need to blink. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. The Greek word for that power is dunamis, dynamite. The Lord's serious about that. The dynamite gives us a dynamite power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. He has given a motivation is that we have God's power to go. We have the authority. He has given us the authority. He said, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. I give it to you. Luke chapter 10, verse, verse 19. Oh, sorry, Luke 19, verse 10. I have given you authority to trample snakes and scorpions. Is it 19? No, sorry. 10, verse 19. Sorry, sorry. Shh. Oh, behold, I've given you authority to tread on ser serpents and scorpions. I've given you authority, Jesus says, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. The power of the enemy. You know, when it comes to preaching the gospel and inviting people to church and laying hands on the sick, on the sick, on the six, on the, <laughs> where's six? Is she here? <laughs> Sorry, six. There's a lady, her name is six. Um, yes, I know. When, when we are wanting to preach that gospel, when we are wanting to share the good news, there's a power from the enemy, a power of intimidation. He likes to come and intimidate whenever you want to step out for Jesus. But the Lord has given us the authority. And we have the Jesus command to go. The command from God 
the command from Jesus, who is the leader and the commander of the armies of heaven. He has said to you and me, go. That's all we need, really. Just that command from your, from your Jesus, from your King, from your Lord. Go. When He speaks to you, when He gives you that word, you go. Nothing can stop you. Go where? Where must I go? Now you go into the harvest field as laborers. With power, you're going into the harvest field as laborers, as his laborers, co-laboring with Christ. With power, with authority, and the command of the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. I want to say if you are willing to go. If you are saying, here I am, Lord, send me like Isaiah. When the Lord said, who will do this work? Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Use me. If you're that person today, and you're saying, I want to go and be a laborer because the harvest is plenty. The lost are many. The broken are many. And I can play a part. I've got the power, I've got the authority, and I've got the command from the Lord. I can go. I want to go, Lord. I want to be a part. And when you make that admission before the Lord, He's going to open a door for you that you will go. Whether it's as a housewife and you're praying in your kitchen or in the lounge and you're praying for the lost and you're praying for the broken and you're praying for prostitutes and you're praying for all sorts of people. Maybe that's what the Lord is going to call you to do. He's going to show you clearly what you can do for Him in His kingdom. How you can go. Maybe it's going to be ministering to people at your work. Maybe it's going to be teaching at community. Like a lot of people today, they brought the word. Which all contributes. But when you say, Lord, here I am. I want to be one of those that get out of the starting blocks and I run this race. And I run and I don't look back. I go forward. If that's you, the Lord is going to use you. He's going to show you. He will open the door for you. And He will watch over you and empower you. And He will back you up as you go about His business. As you go about His business, He's going to go about your business. He's going to take good care of you. I just think of the Apostle Paul. He was stoned. He was hurt. He went through a lot. But the Lord was with him right to the end. And he walked in the favor of the Lord. He walked in the joy of the Lord. And he walked in the power of the Lord. He will empower you and back you up because you are going about his heart business. Amen? Because you are going about his heart business. And step, step for step, he will equip you along the way. If you are saying, here I am, Lord, I want to be that one that goes out of the starting block. Why don't we all stand? If we can all stand. So guys, as um, Dex has been preaching, I just had a picture of guys sitting alongside the track, the racetrack. And as Declan has said, go, there's some of us who over the years have grown weary and tired, whatever the circumstance may be, and we've actually got off the track. 
and we've sat down. We've been great supporters. We've been great cheerers on. Some of the guys who have started years and years after us have run past. And today the Lord's asking us to get up, to get back on the track, and to run. Wonderful. One thing I didn't share that's in here is, um, it's just slipped my mind. Well, I just read past it is that from spectators to participators. The Lord hasn't called us to be spectators, but participators. And sometimes you do participate just from your house. You don't go into the street or you don't preach up here, but you do something. Okay? So I, I want to ask us with a show of hands, if you're saying today, you know what, Lord? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a spectator. I'm a participator. I'm getting out the starting blocks. And I'm one of those guys and one of those, those ladies that are saying, I'm going. You said go, Lord. I'm going to go. And I trust for your power, for your authority, and your command, and I'm going with that. I include myself in that group. If that's you, put your hand up this morning. Praise God. That's great. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, man, paying his tithes. He's going. Awesome. Okay. That's you. Put your hands down. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts, Lord. And thank you for showing us, Lord, um, the nations. Thank you for showing us the harvest field, God. That is plentiful. It is plentiful, Lord. Just so many broken and hurting and lost people. And thank you, Lord, that you have called us, you have chosen us to be a Moses, to go back, to go back and to bring in a people that are lost, to bring in a people that are in bondage and enslaved. And thank you, Lord, that you choose to use us. But you give us the choice. And you say, who will go? And Lord, you've seen our hearts this morning and our hands. And so, Father, I pray for each and every one of us that you will reveal to us, Lord, as you are faithful, to reveal to us what is the plan and the purpose you have for us, Lord. The short term, the medium term, and the long term. That you will show us, God, what it is we ought to do, the part we ought to play as those that are saying, Lord, you said go, and I'm going. I'm not going to be like Elijah, Father. Well, I was like Elijah in the cave, but I'm coming out the cave, and I'm going back to do business, to do your business. So, Lord, I thank you that you uh, would come and empower us, pour your spirit on us, Lord, rejuvenate us, refresh us, God, remind us of the luminous power that we carry, that we have, the Holy Ghost upon us that you have given us, Lord, freely. And may we even ask more and more of it every day. Every day, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for opportunities. Opportunities, Lord, to preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick. And, Lord, the authority to overcome all the power of intimidation and to walk in your anointing, to walk in your grace, walk in your mercy, to rest in you, but in power. We ask us all, Lord God, for all of us, Lord, we want the power. We want the intimacy with you so bad, Lord, and it will be so good that from that place we will reach the nations for you and we will shake this world, Lord, and the lost will come in. We ask this of you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.